Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. I'm Vicky McLeod. This time I am talking to Diego Centeno. He is a member of the small team of three people who organized the Dubai CrossFit Championship. We talk about how he went from Venezuela to the States to finally arriving in the United Arab Emirates. We talk about how the competition has evolved and how the invitational process works. And we talk about the decision to invite Ricky Garrard, who has just completed his four-year ban from the sport. Diego tells me about lifestyle in Dubai, the dreaded ski slope, and a little about what the athletes can expect at the competition. So let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Diego. Thanks so much for joining me. And um, <laughs> we're in unusual circumstances today because you're in a car and I'm in an airport, but we're going to make it work. And it's going to be fine. Just tell me a bit about yourself to start off with. Let's hear a little bit about your background and where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in two places. I grew up in a small town called San Carlos uh, in Venezuela, in the southern part of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And and I I traveled between Venezuela and the United States until I was 15. And when I was 15, I moved full-time stateside. So half of my life was in Venezuela, and the other half of my life was in, uh, in the United States. And almost my other third of my life is now I've uh, been in the Gulf states between Kuwait and Dubai. What were you doing traveling between Venezuela and, Amer- and um, North America? What was the, uh, what was uh, the so reasoning? My family has a long history of, uh, uh, so the husbands are Venezuelans and the wives are, are American. So my, my grandparents and my parents were uh, both, the, my, my mom and gra- my grandma are American and my father and my grandfather are Venezuelan. Oh. Um, do, so, you get to, do you get to spend any time back in Venezuela now, or is that, that part of your life to, is done? Yeah, to be honest with you, um, Venezuela is a very different place than when I left. When I was 15 years old, Venezuela wasn't what it was when I was growing up in Venezuela. But at 15, which is around 1996, uh, things were just pretty terrible. So uh, we were fortunate we could move stateside as American citizens and, and start a new life there. Uh, I must say it wasn't uh, an easy life. Staying in Venezuela would have been much easier than moving to another country and, and learning English and at 15 especially, right? When yeah, you already, definitely. You already have a, a very close circle of friends in Venezuela and also everybody in the United States, I'm sure like a lot of parts of the world, already grew up from kindergarten going to the same schools all the way to high school anyway, so... It's like I left a very established group to go join another very established group, but I didn't speak English. So mm. uh, does that make sense? And, and not yeah. only that, I mean, I came from Venezuela to a very American, uh, former German settlement, small town of a thousand people in the middle of Nebraska. So wow. very, uh, I mean, German in terms of like second generation Germans, but uh, nonetheless, very Catholic, very small town. And I was the only foreigner there. 
See, you stuck out a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was I was the only Spanish-speaking person a lot of them had ever met, <laughs> and and and. And but I was very well welcomed. That being said, it was a very, uh, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. My experience was phenomenal. Like I was, uh, everyone was as accommodating as I could ever imagine. So it was, it was a very good transition. So it was a good move. It was a good move. In the long term, it was, it was good. But when you're 15, it's not good. When you're 15, you hate everyone. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you, <laughs> and Venezuela was a lot different than we didn't have snow. We didn't have cold. We didn't have, fall we didn't have winter uh we had rain and less rain right yeah <laughs> so so yeah so yeah that's that's where it started so you you've been you've had to be flexible from from an early age and fit in yeah. in different places yeah and and i think um although i am venezuelan and american i'm both uh I've always found to be more American in the sense of my comfort, my uh, personality in terms of I'm not as loud. I'm not, I'm not as Venezuelan as my family is, if that makes sense. Um, okay. For better or worse. Um, how more, did you get, how did you get involved in the, in the fitness industry? Is it something that yeah. you wanted to do from an early age or was it something that you were, uh, is it something that you, kind of made friends through how does it happen look uh yeah i mean to be fair it was accidental I, i started again like when i moved to the states when i was 15 uh i was introduced to this pe class which was an hour of gym weightlifting we didn't have that in venezuela um and and it was an hour that we got to spend at the gym and i got to meet everyone it kind of like a social group everybody that was in athletics spending time in the gym And mm -hmm. then it slowly progressed into, uh, it wasn't a career choice by any means. It was more of a hobby and, and something that I enjoyed when I was in high school and my mm -hmm. undergraduate studies. Um, I just found it to be a, a very rewarding or very uh, fulfilling thing to do outside of my schooling, outside of my social life or my school life. So, uh, but one thing led to the other and I ended up, working at GNC, which is the general nutrition store chain, uh, when I was in undergraduate school and I got to, I did work study on, on campus. So I actually volunteered to, to open and close the, the main gym that the athletic department had, which was a state of the art facility back then. So mm -hmm. I had 24 seven access to uh, the best gym in the, in the school. And it was That's just cool. like, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Back then, I mean, it was, it was completely different training, right? It was, uh, just weightlifting, uh, lifting weights, not weightlifting, mm. lifting weights. There was no Olympic lifting. It was, it was all, uh, more of bodybuilding side than, than the fitness side of things. But I kind of parlayed it with, with school. You know, I got paid to pick up the gym. I got paid to go to GNC and then I have my supplements at a discount rate or free. So it was just a very natural, no pun intended, Uh, you know, like a life, right? Like an obvious thing for you to do. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. Everyone at the time was like always asking me what kind of things to eat and what kind of things to do for their body to train. And, and I was just like the natural fit, but I, I didn't ever think I was going to be doing it for a living in terms of pursuing a life in fitness or I was pursuing other interests, um, you know, like political science and economics and, the normal boring stuff. 
And what turned you to the dark side then, if you were going to have a life of academia? Sure. Uh, I wouldn't say academia. I was just doing it because I thought that was what you were supposed to do. It, it was more of a, not that I was interested in, in you know, that side of the of university more than the social side. But, um, you know, just like many people, I think uh, I found CrossFit at the right time at the right place. It was uh, during my postgraduate studies. I was living a, you know, uh, I was, although I graduated from college, I was working at a bar. Uh, I was eating chicken wings and, and socializing a lot and, and drinking mm-hmm. a lot of beers. And uh, I got into a little trouble with the law. And at the same time, I found CrossFit and I realized that I had to, I had to find new friends and make new, new habits. It was, you know, it was at the end of one thing and it was started the other thing. So a family member of mine opened one, uh, an affiliate in Florida. And he's like, try this out and see if you like it. And I tried it. And uh, I thought it was like being shown a stock that is going to do really well later. So like in the financial market, like I thought when I tried it, I thought, man, this is, this is going to change everything just because mm. of how I felt when I was in there. So I thought, how can I make this a business? How can I make a living off of this? And because it was so early, I think it was 2007, 2008, there was a CrossFit forum and those things. And then I realized that people from all over the world were doing it. So that, then I realized that I can combine two things that I really liked, which was traveling around the world and making a living. So I thought, how can I pursue that? So I just kind of went for it, you know, and, and I got a job at a very well-known affiliate. And one thing that to the other were, I just found myself in a lot of the right places at a lot of the right times with the right people. I, I worked at the front desk of a gym, uh, mm-hmm. a very successful gym, but it allowed me to understand how the affiliate model, how a successful affiliate model could make money. But more importantly, I saw the economic side of how brands can benefit or will benefit from these micro communities spread all over the world made up of 150, 200 people. So what kind of impact they could have on, on brands, for example, Do you know, at, yeah. a, at a very micro level, nonetheless, very, uh, very global at the same time, because it was happening all around the world, the exact same phenomenon, even though no one was going to each other's gym, if that made sense. So across the gym in Texas could be very well been doing the same thing that across the gym in London was doing. And they never met, but they spoke the same language, right? And they they were using the same words, they were wearing the same clothes. So I thought for business that had tremendous implications. And I thought, you know what? I, how do I make a living doing this? So I just tried it. So how do you make a living doing that? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I've had a lot of I had a very good. Uh, uh, return on my luck. I've uh, I've always said yes to opportunities, and you know I was I was living in Texas, and an opportunity came to travel to London to one of the first competitions in London. So I started mm-hmm. doing that, and when I was there, I met people from Denmark, and that led to another opportunity. And next thing you know, I I, I met people that were heading to the Middle East that I had met in London in previous years and, and kind of just, I started asking questions and I ended up going to Kuwait. 
Uh, obviously, in the U.S., I was doing okay. Um, me and my partner started one of the first like athlete representative representing agencies at the time, like in 2010. And it was like these small contracts that you were trying to like get for the athletes, CrossFit Games athletes, and trying to get them like some sort of salary, very mm-hmm. small deal. So you couldn't really make money off of that. So it was just a lot of working between a lot of different events and a lot of companies trying to put money together. But when Kuwait came around, it was an opportunity to do it full time as a professional, like earning a profession, a professional wage and having professional benefits, if that makes sense. Uh, so like doing it like a real job. So that's why I came to Kuwait. Uh, but for me, it was culture shock to go from (laughs) these different, to go from North America to Kuwait. It's a very different lifestyles. Well, you know, to be honest with you, Kuwait was, was more like the U S than I, than I ever expected in terms of, because Kuwait is such a small country and so financially well-established that when you come around to it, it was, it was like really being at home. Like, actually I, I was experiencing things in Kuwait that I would have never had experienced stateside, never even heard of in the U S mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh yeah, this is from London or, Oh yeah, this is from France. And I'm like, what? How much I was coming from Texas. We didn't have these things, right? Like, uh, I'll give you an example. Like the first time I had Shake Shack, it was in Kuwait and it didn't come <laughs> to, to us. Shake Shack wasn't in Texas yet. Shake Shack was in like New York and in LA maybe, but it was already in Kuwait. Right. So I thought, man, this is so strange. Like I'm, I would tell my friends backstage that I'm like, I'm trying this Shake Shack thing. They're like, Oh yeah, I seen that in the movie. And I'm like, apparently it's massive. But yeah, it was already in Kuwait. Right. And this is in 2013. So this will give you some background. Uh, but honestly, the, 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 yeah, the language is different. You, they're speaking Arabic. And, but when you come to the CrossFit affiliate, you know, everybody's saying the same acronyms that we use in English and CrossFit. So, mm-hmm. and everybody's wearing the same clothes and, you know, we're, we're doing the same workout. So, there's a commonality it was really easy and, and honestly at the, at the price point that we charged and at the at the product that we were putting out there the only type of people that were attracted to it were most of the people that were already living stateside or in europe if that makes sense so yeah you were dealing with a very specific like english-speaking kuwaitis right so it wasn't like you were dealing with like a very local population mm-hmm. all the time we were dealing with the type of people that would do crossfit stateside too so they knew more about the U.S. than I did. They would be like, oh, I love New York. Or I love Boston. And I love Miami. And I'm like, like, I've traveled around the world. But, you know, like, I've never I've been, honestly, it never really interested me to go to New York when I lived in, in Texas. I lived in Texas. I lived in Colorado. I lived in Florida. So New York never really appealed to me. Big open spaces. I didn't want to be in a, in a city. You know, it took me moving to the Gulf to actually return and visit some of these cities in, in the States that I never even I mean, I thought that one day it'd be cool to see, but I was more interested in seeing other things. So you went from Kuwait to Dubai, or was there a, another yeah, country in yeah. between? No, I, I started to to transit out of out of out of uh, Kuwait, and I thought Dubai was a perfect destination um, for the long term because I, I wanted to start my own business and I wanted to do some things. And Dubai allows, you know, allowed other things that Kuwait doesn't allow just yet, like. Uh, owning your own businesses or, or, or sponsoring yourself so you can have your own visa and that type of stuff. Um, it was just a different business environment. I thought I was thinking a little bit more long-term, 
Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, if I, if I want to get settled here, I've already been here four years. Dubai makes more sense because I can, you know, I can start my own businesses. I can sponsor myself and do that kind of thing. So when did you move to Dubai? Uh, late 2016, early 2017. And was the intention to, to say, become part of the CrossFit Championship at that point? Or did you, how did you get did involved you know? with it? Because it had been going for a little bit before that, hadn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it started in 2012, so the history yeah. of the event has a long history of doing things, quite frankly, really, really big before anyone really knew about it outside of Dubai. Um, I mean, some very big, if you look at the photos and the videos from 2012 and, and 14, you see it. Actually, the CrossFit Games wasn't even that well known yet, right? Dubai was, they have a really high production value and quality of of athletes coming out and the price, price purse was just phenomenal and the names coming were, but I think, I think the athletes were keeping it secret. They were keeping it to themselves. Like, <laughs> like I don't want anyone else to know that this yeah. is happening here. So, but you know, I, I started like, a I started as a volunteer, Vicky, to be honest with you. I just thought this looked very cool. And I'm like, just like everything else I've always done. I thought I'm just going to show up and keep showing up until something happens. And, and that's almost, that's how I approached everything in, in my professional and personal life. I thought, well, you know, if you just stick it out and they like, it, if you're doing something right, you're just going to get given more responsibility. And that's really yeah. how it happened. What was your volunteer, volunteer position when you started? Honestly, they just, you know, they just said, you know, kind of like help us wherever you think you, you, you know what to do. And I thought, okay, I know how to, I like to organize things. So I'll start with the organizational side of things, you know, and, and if it's putting things together, like in an Excel sheet and, and organizing names and sizes and, Anything like that. I really, I like to take a messy thing and make it neat. Mm -hmm. So not that it was messy before, but I just thought, okay, this is what I like to do so I can help there. And and that's not really how it started, to be honest with you. It wasn't intentional by any means. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think like yourself, CrossFit in, in this business is most of us are happy to do it for free most of our lives. And I think a lot of people do it for free most of their lives. Um, I just, you know, because you just enjoy it. You, mm. you, you enjoy what you're doing and you enjoy how you feel about it. And then the people that you meet through it. So yeah, it, it never really had a commercial implication per se. I didn't want to open I knew very early. I didn't want to own the gym. Like, and then I sucked as an athlete. So that wasn't an option to be at a competitor. Um, <laughs> right. Like th that was not even a, an option. That was me, a so. no go. <laughs> yeah. And then I did the level one and I had a really good time, but then I really don't like teaching people how to do things. Like I'm not a good teacher. So I'm like, I have to figure out the business side of things. And, and mm. to me, it's it's really connecting people with brands and connecting people with experiences and just kind of letting two people find um, something in common so they can do a transaction, a business transaction. And that's really yeah. my what I really enjoy doing. So I don't know if it's really work. But yeah, it sounds more like fun. It sounds like also like something you naturally do. That's the ideal I, job, isn't it? What's something that you get paid to do that you love? Yeah, I, I think it's a good balance of, you know, when, when you're able to to bring a hobby and, and something you enjoy doing it, uh, there's also a slippery sl slope to that because sometimes, you know, it, 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 it has, at this level, it becomes your job and to do it well, you have to do it a lot and consistently. So sometimes you kind of, you know, Sometimes I really don't care to be at the CrossFit gym because it always becomes about work. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like sometimes 
when I'm not working, I really don't want to deal with CrossFit, if that makes sense. Like, I have other hobbies and other things I want to do that is not CrossFit related. So, you know, when I travel, I used to visit affiliates and and I wanted to get the t-shirt and whatnot. I didn't get a workout in. And and now I travel and I just want to not be at work. Mm. Is that, does that make sense? Absolutely. I think as well, it takes, if if you need a rest from it, then it's good that you are listening to your, yourself and doing that taking that rest because otherwise you're taking the pleasure away from it as well sure 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 so what's your um official role now in the crossfit championship look to be to be really honest with you one of the one of the unique things about our event it's a very small team there's only three of us Vicky. Mm. so um I, I think you know i come from a background of, of i mean coming from the states and coming from venezuela of just Everyone just does everything type of thing. You don't, um, you don't really build an organization to specialize. You kind of just, everyone kind of just gets on and does what they need to do. Um, and you keep the team very, very small because it's a lot easier to make decisions and get things done. Uh, so, you know, we do have a bigger team as the event gets closer. So we bring people from around uh, Dubai that have helped us over the years to that week of the event. But we try to really... We all of us just just do everything really, um, because that's the only way that you can really keep it moving forward. I think mm-hmm. without um, diluting the value of of the product, if that makes sense. And look, a lot of people will say we should be doing this or that, but our, our KPIs are just different from everyone else. We're we're not a hundred percent commercial. Uh, we don't have commercial purposes 100% like other events, right? We have a, a, a bigger goal of promoting Dubai as a, as a sports destination. We want the athletes to come to Dubai and enjoy the event, but we want them to come with their families and enjoy the city. Like if you look at the schedule, uh, it's not four days of, of 10-hour day workouts. We want you to go out and enjoy what Dubai has to offer or the Emirates have to offer. And we want people to bring their entire family and their spouses and their significant others. We don't want them to just come and sit on the stands for, for the entire time, right? So mm. um, so when you look at it that, that way, yeah, commercially, can we do a lot of things differently that possibly would bring millions of dollars? Maybe. But what is the cost of that, of, of changing that relaxed atmosphere? If, if you ever get the chance to come, you'll see that. We don't really have to have security. We don't really segregate the athletes from the community. Like, you know, the, the athletes go across all the gyms in Dubai and then, you know, all the members there get to see them and then the local athletes get to meet the athletes and then the local community also grows. So it's a win-win for the city, right? So it's not even so much what, what the event brings for ourselves, but what is the event that, that's for the CrossFit community already established in Dubai, the 30-plus CrossFit gym space here that uh, have their own ecosystem, their own little communities, right? At some at some level, there are like CrossFit specific. I don't know how many there are nowadays, but everyone has some sort of functional training place in their gym. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Now, Vicky, we we do have a challenge that a lot of people have is that you know people come to Dubai usually to to visit or to to try something new. So we have a lot of people coming and going all the time. Yeah. Right, um, mm-hmm. which is not typical in the U.S. and it's, I don't know if it's typical in London as much, but I mean, in, in, in Austin, you didn't really meet someone from another city very very often. You had 
most people are there for five, 10 years, right? So uh, it's a different way of, because all their trainers come, usually come from another country. So, and your class is made up of, I don't know, 22 different nationalities in the same class. And then you have a coach from another nationality. So you have a lot of different things going on at one time. Yeah. But kind of exciting at the same time. I think. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's brilliant because, you know, you just get to see how things are done everywhere else. And, and if you're a professional, you know, you just learn how to talk to people completely different because the way you approach one nationality is different than the other nationality. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're a chameleon, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 so these are things that we don't think about when we're in our home countries because we're just dealing with ourselves. Absolutely. It's similar in Mallorca, actually, because we have a lot of, yeah. which is where I live, there's a lot of, um, we have a lot of visitors coming in the summer season from all over the, all over the world, but mostly all over Europe. And um, it's quite common to have in a, in a class, in the gym that I go to, 12 different nationalities for the 12 spots yeah. that are, are open. So, yeah. Where I was going with, sorry, I was gonna, where yeah. I was going with that is that when you told me there, how many gyms are in Dubai, and, you know, the things that we have to deal with constantly in and out of people that usually most affiliates don't have to deal with, right? Like most established affiliates anywhere, you know, you can expect that the 100 people there are not leaving Gloucester this mm. week, right? Like maybe once in a while you have somebody move, but you can expect that if, if the gym stays open for the next five years and if they have a good time, they will continue to come. The mm. same hundred people, give or take. So as, as a business or as a sport or whatnot, you constantly have to introduce people to the to the event every year. Every CrossFit gym has a, let's say they have their own community, but every so often they have to replace a significant number of their members because people just move away for work or for personal reasons or they get yeah. sent back home or whatnot. Let's talk a bit about the event because I know that you you just announced um, your offsite location last week, yep. which is going to be ski slope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh, bravo! It's, that I, think, I don't think there's ever been a CrossFit uh, competition that featured a ski slope before. Although there was the the Rogue Hill at the Invitational. Yeah. So, and yeah. and if you know, I think in uh, I don't think in Norway uh, one of the sanctionals did a. They ran up of a, they did, I think, a 5K. Don't quote me on that, but they, they used a, a ski resort. Uh, you know, it's, it's super exciting because you know that I've learned, I lived in Colorado for six years, but I've probably done more practice here than I did living in Colorado for six years. And I lived, I lived two hours from Aspen when I lived in Colorado, mm. right? I'm probably gone more snow days here on the mountain on the, on the ski slope than I did in Colorado, which is crazy. Uh, but uh, it's exciting because this goes to the other side of the event that it's not purely meant to bring people to do the same thing over and over. They can do all around the world. We just have cool things about Dubai that we want to showcase. And, and I think it's hard sometimes for people to think, or what else can they do in a ski hill that is not skiing or snowboarding? I think a lot of people think that they're going to do ski or snowboarding, which I think is, it's funny because they can't think of anything more than can be done on a hill made of snow. Right. Mm. So but you my, know mind, that, my mind is racing now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, I mean, with CrossFit, you have, you have so many things that can be done in there, but you know, we, we always have a really cool offsite day one. If you look at the history of the event, yeah. you go to the beach or, uh, 
and then at no point is it meant to uh, to break anyone or to make them look bad it in, instead is to get them to think differently about their training who choose, who chooses the locations uh look to be honest with you we we all choose everything we you know at this point a lot of the venues are contact us to to consider their location because mm. uh, they've seen you know the impact that we have on 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 the venues over the years and the on the the eyes that it brings but uh, you know we kind of we kind of look at the venues and then we kind of think about the workouts and say what can we do differently that continues to improve the event year after year um you know we've we've ran outside in the desert we've we've used the the beach um we've done the rate the bike track the, the road bike track so i think um i think we've had, you know some of the funny things about the beach is that we've had athletes that come from the midwest from the states that had never been in, in the in the in the sea right so the the dubai beach would be their first swim in salt water wow. right which is it's like it's crazy to think about that but yeah it just gives it a, a new a new element a new um degree of excitement what um who's um programming the workouts we do we do our team we we our team of three we program everything um and a lot of workouts go into into the into the whiteboard and then you kind of start to see what equipment you have and you start to see what's been done over the years what you want to see and then see how you can complement um your sponsors and then you try to put it all together who are the other two um, members for the team sure uh, Saudel Shamsi is the event director mm-hmm. and he's a local he's an Emirati and then uh, Mohammad Ghazawi he is the project manager and he's actually been with the actually Mohammad has been with the event a lot longer than me and Saud have full time per se Mohammad has been part of the event for many many years Saud used to be an athlete so I'm the newest one to the bunch but um so yeah Saud and Mohammed and myself it's really the, the full-time team leading up to the event so do you decide as a team who you're going to invite and um, which athletes you're going to invite yeah you know the invitation process is we've been doing this for many years so the invitation process is that you take a lot of things into consideration um you know we've been talking you talk to management of athletes you talk to the athletes all year you see the event calendar um so you kind of and you see geography and you see all the covers you kind of just take all these little pieces and put it together to to give you the best um the best plan of who of who can successfully get to dubai who's been to dubai before um a lot of these things if that makes sense yeah. so um you know if you look at the history of the event almost anyone that's anyone has been to the event at some point mm. um, since 2012. And one of the coolest things about the event is that a lot of people came here before they were even known abroad. It's something that we take tremendous pride in when you look at the invited athletes. But, you know, in the past, it wasn't as easy to come to Dubai because you had to come one weekend, do the qualifiers on site, and then you had a week off and then complete the finals. Okay. Yeah. That changed in 2017 when we moved to the online qualifier where uh-huh. you could do it all remotely. Yeah. But before people had to come here for two weeks, 10 days, 14 days. So that was mm-hmm. very uh the feel commitment. Stacked. Yeah, but I mean it's a big commitment financially then and now. 
right? So uh, for accessibility, we, you know, the online format made a lot of more sense. Mm. Obviously, with the COVID situation this past year, um, and then I don't know how many online events there were already in 2021. They just didn't make sense to do another one, right? Yeah, we were sick of them. How many online, <laughs> six, seven portions of it. So the invitational process just made a lot more sense. Um, but going back to, you know, who's been coming to the event, uh, you're in Spain, you know, like Laura, Laura has been coming here for many years and no one knew who Laura was. Mm. And, and Laura did very well here in 2017 and then ended up being second at the CrossFit Games in 2018. And everybody's like, who is this Laura? Yeah. Athlete. And we're like, we've been telling you she's been coming to Dubai, you know, same for Gabby. Um, so you so got a good eye. Yeah, well, you know what? I think I think I think it goes into a lot to say about European athletes. They're just they're just well traveled, and and they're well, you know it's a lot closer to to Europe than North America, right? Mm-hmm. Or to the Pacific. It's just Dubai Europe is a very easy trip. Yeah, uh, for most and and price wise, it's not completely out of this world, right? And then someone knows somebody living here, and then you can always find a place to stay and that kind of stuff. So I think I think yeah. there, there's a lot that goes into that, right? Definitely. I mean, and also, I mean, the people that I know that are going, either as spectators or as athletes, are extremely excited to be going. You know, it's like a huge treat as well to get to yeah. go to Dubai. That's um, wonderful. I mean, that's, this, this is great because they're coming from a pretty cool place. So there, there was a particularly uh, controversial invite in Ricky Gerard, And I wondered what was your sure. main reason for inviting him? Look, um, Ricky participated here in the past in 2016. Um, I don't know if you knew that, uh, and he had a really yeah. good event. He finished, I think he finished, I might be wrong, but I think he finished top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, f- from, from, a from a sports side, Reiki served the suspension right? yes. and, 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 and now he's coming here and a lot of people may say, well, he's taking someone's invite, correct? But if you know anything about the invite process, um, you will know that not everyone invited will accept. So there's really, when we say there's 40 spots, there's really not 40 spots because you know that if you invite 40 people, not all 40 are going to accept the first round. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it logically, you know, Reiki did what he did and he served the suspension and now he's eligible again. Uh, Reiki competed here before. So it just made sense. It just made sense. He has a lot to prove to himself look, uh, and to everyone. I, th- I think so too. I think, and he's rested. And look, I'm not, you know, over the years and all the CrossFit events that I've worked or fitness events, so many people come and go every year. And, and I, I have to admit, there's many people that were suspended the same year that Ricky was suspended, but you don't know any other names. Mm. So for somebody that was suspended, and a lot of people would say, have really nothing else to gain. He didn't go home and sat around. He, he went home and got to work. He right? did. So as an event organizer, I'm like, I really hope everyone comes and everyone does well. I have no favorites. I'm just telling you from all the people that have gone through Dubai or any event that I've been part of, a lot of the times there's more people that are no longer competing than the ones that remain competing. So, so I, t- I tell you from a, from a, you know, a perseverance and a commitment that's, that's remarkable. I mean, mm. look, look how many people were suspended the same year and see if you can find whether any of them are doing today. I know it's very polarizing. I know there's a lot of opinions about it, but you know, I think that's something between Ricky and, and his, and his, you know, uh, personal 
uh, what do you call it? Uh, in his that family is, and whatever, whatever, yeah. yeah, his values, right? Um, I think I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the field that we have coming. I'm excited for um, the, the small 40 athletes are, that are here. We've always had 100, 114, 115 in the teams. This is going to be a very intimate, a very small uh, gathering, but it's going to be the first gathering for a lot of them in many months, mm-hmm. in many months since the COVID. So I'm super excited to just see everyone. And, and obviously Roman, because Roman can't even get to the States, which is, yeah. <laughs> as a Yankee myself, I, I find it terrible. Um, I, but I, I just, you know, I would love to see Roman at the CrossFit Games. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet, so we can watch him here. Yeah. Did you also invite the current Games champions, Tia and Justin? Uh, this question, I knew this question was coming. And to be honest with you, like I said, when we go back to, to who's invited and who's not invited, we, we just have our... You know, we talk to all the management, we talk to all the athletes, you know what everyone's situation is or what their plans are, uh, and then you pick who to invite from there, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So no one's included or excluded based on who they are. You know, we, we feel the price purse is uh, generous and everyone has, has had or has the opportunity to come to Dubai. But, you know, when you look at over the, old, the entire event schedule, you look at where everyone's going and what they're doing in the off season, you can kind of make a plan of who, who you, who you can invite that is going to be able to come. If that makes sense. Yes. Uh, and I'll, I'll be completely honest with you, Vicky. Uh, sometimes, for example, if you look back at 2019, the fact that Matt was not here made Pat and Brent and Roman and BK shine. Right. So sometimes it, it kind of, you can have a very, very big name and the event's over before it starts. Just, just from, yeah. from a spectator point, you know, you just came to watch them win again. Okay. And it's not their fault. And I, but for, for, you know, I had a great time watching Brent, Patrick and Roman and BK and Travis in 2019 just because Matt wasn't here. Right. Those guys had a whole different opportunity to, to show what they have. And the event was down to the last workout again. So for us, that's that's a very cool thing to see. Yeah, I understand. Just like Formula One, when Michael Schumacher was driving, it's just yeah. really boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we know, know who's going to win. What's yeah. the point of watching Did the he, race? And actually, has, you know, funny you mentioned the race, because the race is coming here, and the Saudi race was, was a nail-biter, and it's coming to be decided here in, in Abu Dhabi next weekend. Yeah. There's a lot going on in your neck of the woods, Diego. <laughs> well... If, if Vic, Vicky, if you might, you know, some of the stuff that you hear about, it's like, well, the, the stadium is never full at, at DCC, but you have to keep in mind that Dubai has about five and a half events a day in the winter, every day, wow. the entire winter. So if you know much about Dubai social life, no one is really doing anything the entire week. And you kind of just split your time between going away parties and welcoming parties and, 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 and brunch and gym, so and beach and desert. No one is really going to sit for three days like they do in Madison. So it's a bit more of a drop-in, drop-out kind of situation. Yes. And even my best of friends are always texting me, like, who's going in which heat so they can come watch? Okay. Because they don't want to come and sit here for the four heats. And they're my <laughs> friends, imagine. What's the weather like in Dubai at the moment? I'm imagining it's really hot. No, right now, actually, the weather's cooled off quite a bit. We're down to, I would say, let me, I mean, I have to do the math because I have it in, uh, what do you call it? I have it in uh, Fahrenheit, but it's 24 Celsius right now. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah. So you, you need a jumper if you go outside in the, in the evening. 
So it's, the weather uh, won't affect the workouts so much. Like, um, no, you know what? Yeah. Sometimes it used to. We actually, we actually made the schedule. Uh, we haven't announced it yet, but the schedule is we're going to be going from four in the afternoon till two and uh, to uh, ten in PM in the evening. So mm-hmm. we we're not going to be going on all day on Friday and Saturday. We're going to go in the afternoons only. So we've always wanted the workouts look so much nicer at night with the lights on and the music and the and the cooler weather. So we're going to stick to the evening this this year. So you're going more for the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look cooler at. The photos will be cooler as well. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so how can everybody who isn't lucky enough to be in Dubai this, uh, this, this uh, weekend, the weekend after the next, how can they watch next it? Next weekend, if yeah. They're not, yeah, if they're not yeah. there, so look, we will, can they watch it? We will be releasing the, the complete broadcast schedule soon, but we'll be live stream. We'll mm-hmm. also be live, obviously, on, on Dubai Sports TV, all across the Emirates and, and Arabic and English speaking. Uh, but we'll be on YouTube via, you know, via our website and our YouTube channel. Yeah. And, and we will be bringing the six, uh, six online events that you can watch. And then the social media channels, obviously, will be regularly updated as much as we can. We have a really cool media team coming from all over the world. So you can expect all those. I think, you know, Josie or, or Nicolaj. Yeah, um, those guys are coming. So you can imagine fresh um, bits through the entire weekend so yeah is this time for your flight yeah i have to go now thanks diego what a great chat i look forward to talking to you when we're not in transit guys i'm sorry about the bad audio recording a podcast in an airport is not something i want to do again i hope it didn't deter you from listening to the whole interview Next up on the podcast, I've got CrossFit pundit, an all-round nice guy, Brian Friend, and the British athlete, Evie Hollis, who will be taking part in her first Dubai CrossFit Championship very soon. Until then, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.